0: mushroom this is some of my best work i'm your host jane rocker in this episode the aptly named song chosen by ash grumwald breakout is taken from his 2008 studio album fish out of water Breakout was a purposeful song for Ash. It was there to do the job at summer music festivals in the late 2000s. It was the banger that pushed his sound out from his usual blues and roots reputation that had defined his career until then. With producer Count Bounce, real name Philip Norman, and also a founding member of Australian hip-hop group TZU, they gathered ideas and built the song Breakout. The song was fully realised while at the Falls Festival, performing in the sun and dust among 8,000 people jumping in unison to Ash on stage. Listen out for that. Ash also has a new album dropping in January 2022 titled Shout Into The Noise. Get it where you get your music. The first single I want you to know is out now. Here he is, Ash grumbled with a song of Breakout. <laughs>
1: I think it was a um a breakout success for me. you know I often you know saw myself as like a um blues player and uh on the fringes of uh mainstream kind of radio and whatever and um this wasn't a mainstream hit uh but it was um a good one in making me cross over to a triple j kind of audience at the time, and so the song was really good to me. In that era, people got into it and I have um, very vivid memories of people getting up at some big festivals and jumping in the air and going crazy and um, it was quite um, surreal um, playing that song sometimes. So yes, a lot of fond memories with that song.
0: So tell me a little about the year, where you were, how the song came to you. So we're going back to 2008 is when the album comes out. Was it done earlier that year or were you working on it the year before? <laughs>
1: well, I can't remember because <laughs> I was having too much of a good time. Yeah, I know that album I did with Count Bounce. It was when I lived in um, in Torquay in Victoria. We recorded half of the album in a shipping container in, in his backyard in Thornbury. He had a studio in there. It was awesome—a little shipping container studio, so cute and um, a great place to work. I wrote most of it then, kind of like at the at the time. My um, my method was to kind of write on the spot. I'd have all these exercise books and I'd have them sort of surrounding me, and I'd be working with a riff and working with a producer and just building the song up as I went. I had a lot of the lyrics for that song. I had as a much slower song. And a bluesy song But we were really trying to do a banger What we came up with in the end ended up It did exactly what it was supposed to do In terms of um Being a four on the floor Celebratory song But it was more about busting out of a um, Small town It's always good to have a song about Busting out That has a chorus that you, know, you know it's going to work live if you <laughs> It's kind of like cheating You know it's going to work in a live setting if you've got a chorus like i've got a out.
0: living in torquay and then coming to melbourne to to work on it in thornbury as you say shipping container what was the process of writing it um i mean it, did the song come to you quickly how did you know that, that you were comfortable with the song i guess
1: i already had it as half a song as a completely different song and that's how it works for a lot of songwriters you have some scraps laying around. You can cannibalise some of your songs and uh, take a bit from here and a bit from there and, you know, give it a new life. That's what I kind of did with it. I, at the time, I would say I was uh, I was writing it on the spot, but I really wasn't because half of it was already written.
0: From what I've read as well, were you at Michael Godinsky's Macedon Rangers home on a songwriting day with Pip? As well, working on on the album that it comes from, Fish Out of Water.
1: Yeah, that's how we met, was through that really cool thing that we used to do and get together and just write a song in a day at Michael Godinski's place. That was such a cool thing to do. I wanted to get on a lot more of those things, but I think that's the only time I did it, and uh, it yielded some (laughs) serious results. So we wrote the song Fish Out of Water, which became the title track of the album. Yeah, cemented a really great relationship with Pip. Um, you know, I think we did a really, that's one of my best albums that of my career. And um, thanks to Pip, especially, you know, being back then, being a bluesy thing that was very much done with a hip hop producer. At that time, that was a kind of very much a new thing in the blues and roots genre, so I was quite proud to um, be doing something that felt like it was forging in a new direction and even, you know, like, a, you know, now, you know, it's over a decade ago, I, I feel like that that method of writing songs is almost everybody's method but at the time it was a bit a bit of a newer thing.
0: Now, Ash, I have to ask you though, heading to Macedon Rangers on a songwriting day... What went through your mind in terms of expectations or what goes on there? Who had been there before that you knew? And yeah, just I'm, I know 2008 doesn't sound that far ago. It is a lifetime ago in a way, but what can you remember of that experience yourself?
1: Well, I can remember something. I remember thinking it was a leap of faith for me because I'd never written a song with anyone else. I had no idea how it would go. So that was the really bizarre thing, Um, and I had no idea how I would write a song with somebody else. So um, I was really, really happy to have a song by the end of it.
0: Said something earlier too about it's the song that Triple J really picked up as well. And so, talk a little bit about how, as you say, you'd been a musician for a while, and this is album number four. And then suddenly, Triple J are paying attention. So, what happened to your career sort of after that? How did this song open up other doors for you?
1: Yeah, I think around that album, it really cemented things for me, and um, yet, really did help to have that um, kind of playlisting rather than just be a roots act, but on the general, that triple J kind of scene. And um, in that era, it was such a big part of the scene, like, and the festivals and stuff. I know it still is, but I'm sure Spotify and a whole lot of other things have diluted that a little, but it was a really big part of it in those days. And, um, I had to talk Pip into doing that song because, you know, he's a really good producer and he comes from the hip-hop. At that time, he came from the hip-hop side of things, but he's continued to do a lot, have a lot of wins in the pop arena. But at that time, I really had to talk him into doing a four on the floor, full-on dance kind of banger. He didn't really want to do that kind of thing. Um, He wanted it to be probably something a little more, something a bit more subtle but i was like no i've been <laughs> i was like i don't want to be subtle I, i've been out there in pubs and festivals and stuff i'd made my name like stomping you know on the stomp box making it kind of like dance blues so i wanted to do something that was like that so i had a bit of to and fro to to sort of get that happening but it was cool because it worked it was by design a festival banger yeah so i'm glad we did it and it's still requested at most of my gigs even in the this sort of uh that first post lockdown era, you know, everybody was sitting down and you weren't allowed to stand up. I was just playing it at the end of the gigs and people were still booging in their seats or they were getting up. People need permission to have that release. I feel sorry for me, <laughs> um, that I'm not playing, but I feel sorry for them that they're not getting that release at the moment. Very important for humans.
0: Take me through a little bit about your blues journey and discovery of connection to and then particularly this song and how it's influenced work that you've created since.
1: For me all of my blues heroes just traveled around the place from the 30s onwards, you know, playing in boozy um juke joints for people to just party to and forget their cares of working in the fields and the The drudgery of life, and uh, just have a release from that, and in a way, I traveled around australia and and over the over the world, but mainly Australia, and did a similar thing. just went to you know pubs and and just traveled far and wide and and just for people to party and then so when I took that sound to the festival scene, it worked really well because people are there to celebrate. And I think, you know, that's what uh, the song Breakout was trying to sort of make something in more of a poppy kind of three-minute formula that had the impact of an extended jam when everybody in the room's dancing. So it was kind of the marriage of those worlds. I continued making... Music like that, that song was probably at the apex of my um, one-man band, four on the floor, go off, create a party kind of vibe. Like, I still do that once or twice in the set, but I ended up, you know, experimenting with other things and um, playing with a full band quite often and other things. That sort of led away from that sort of real dance music style thing. It was certainly a great era and a very successful era for me
0: and i guess i think back to that era too i mean it was there was a lot of that traditional blues and modern day electronics sort of happening in music from rl burnside and black keys and there was a little bit of that going on wasn't there at that time especially that that we were getting that was crossing into the mainstream you could say
1: yeah, Black Keys was, uh, but Black Keys didn't really do the electronic thing. Although, yeah, they did um, do that album with that very cool album with the hip hop guys. They had people actually rapping and they were doing the backing. That was pretty cool. R.L. Burnside, those sort of real remixy albums were a big influence. I guess they happened in the late nineties. That was a really cool thing. I I really liked that. I wanted to do something like that, but my excitement was that. The beats and everything would be a bit more incorporated in the music, so it didn't sound like a remix. It was cool. It was an exciting time for that kind of thing. It really is nothing now to do that um, because most producers they consider that to themselves to be. And I like this. I'm not saying this in a in any bad way. You could be a folk. Consider yourself to be a folk singer now but you would be using Ableton Live and be putting all these beats in your music and a synth line underneath it and playing an acoustic guitar. That's sort of what it's evolved to. Um, So it's it's a normal thing now.
0: And so tell me then a little about remembering performing this one live though. Um, I mean, I know that you've referred to it now in these sort of in-between lockdown moments, but at the time when it came out or any big festivals you played that you vividly recall this one getting a great reaction from the audience?
1: I really do remember one. Um, There's this stage at Falls Festival. There's just two stages. There's a field stage and the main stage. It was on the field stage. Maybe 8,000 people, they said. There was very, very packed. Every single person was jumping in the chorus, and it was a really hot day. There was so much dust that after a while, you couldn't see the people. (laughs) I think that was the best response and the most bizarre... Crazy thing to ever see at a uh, gig—to see the crowd disappear in a cloud of dust. It was, you know, some of those times, like the adrenaline that you would feel just from feeling—I don't know—the only word I can use is vibe. It feels like there'd be some scientific explanation, but it's like just the ecstatic nature of that celebration, and it's all beaming towards the stage. It really—it feeds you. It's really quite amazing. And uh, that really happened on that song and that's a, that'll always be a special memory to me.
0: Lyrically, can you take us through where you keep your lyrics? Do you have notebooks of them? Do they come to you in the spur of the moment? Have you been dwelling on things for some time?
1: There's a lot of fun things about having been doing music for this long now. I just turned 45. My latest album, I'd worked with a lot of people in their 20s they'll comment or they'll notice that I've got um, exercise books with me and pieces of paper and I'm writing on them and that's some really old school thing now. (laughs) And I've always considered myself to be into gadgets and futuristic things and I didn't really consider myself to be that old guy but I guess I am now <laughs> I I still write in exercise books for my songs I just feel like it flows a bit better with the pen rather than than typing things into the phone I'm not sure why that is but it's something to do with that connection with the brain I just find that to be better um so I do I do have I'm looking around in my studio now and just seeing a whole lot of exercise books and I've got one right next to me that says song fuel on the front cover (laughs) and I'm trying to think why I wrote song fuel on there I think the reason I wrote song fuel is because oh this is the one where I did a songwriting exercise I took a 30-day challenge where you write different things every day like do different exercises and then you can use that as song fuel I think that was something I I uh, made up though the that idea of song fuel, it sort of says something of my process, like um, basically I'll walk into the studio and I feel like I'm making it up but there'll always be parts of the jigsaw that I bring with me and then I put it together
0: with a producer or something. Well, can I ask you to just reflect on some of those artists that you got to tour with, open for... That happened after this song breakout, particularly. I mean, I think I read somewhere where you say, "Well, one of your biggest accomplishments was supporting James Brown."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's massive. I love, <laughs> I love thinking about that when I see him on the wall somewhere. I it just sounds made up to me. I just don't understand how I could ever support James Brown. <laughs> it was in Tasmania that gig, and I had done. See, so there uh, there is a tie in now that now that um you mention it, and I think I had played Falls Festival plenty of times and had success. The one I was imagining that gig that I was telling you about the the performance of Breakout was at Falls Festival in Tassie. Some um promoters got James Brown and they thought I'd be a good fit for the support, so I got to do that and I stood next to James, too scared to shake his hand because they had sort of briefed me, if you do address him, make sure you call him Mr. Brown, don't call him James. And I was a little bit intimidated. (laughs) It was an awesome performance. Yeah, one that I'll always remember. You know, he had the massive band with the two drummers and the two bass players and dancers, and it was just awesome. It was awesome.
0: And I's just coming back to this idea of some of my best work and the break I guess the, the breakthrough that happened in your career with this particular song. but how you've taken an element of that success in everything you've done forward and, and whether it even informs the new music that you've got coming out now too.:
1: That's what you're trying to do, aren't you with a with a music career you just anytime you know that i think that one won an apra award that song and then you try and take that and you know you get a little bit more noticed and then you move on to the next thing and um you know on the next album i had a song called walking that ended up on um a hollywood movie limitless um, with bradley cooper and um, robert de niro Um, and that was a really big thing for me and then you know just one thing leads to another and um that's how it happens in music. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic about this next album. I think it might be my actual breakthrough. My my um, main um, single is a four on the floor again. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we'll see. But it's not so much the raucous party. It's more of a melancholy kind of missing my family. So I guess it's um, it's a different era now. It's a bit more grown up and a bit more contemplative than it was back in the day. You know, that's the joy of growing older and maturing, I guess, hopefully.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. I wonder now with perspective and hindsight, if you look back at a song like Breakout and that time that you were making music and touring and it all was just one foot in front of the other and we took a lot of those steps for granted, right? All of us. We just lived life and didn't think anything could interfere with that other than things might not going right for us how do you look back at that time from your perspective today
1: yeah i mean i only have to look back 2 years i mean we just couldn't see any of this coming it really is still to this day a shock we just don't know how the future's going to pan out so that's um that's an interesting one i mean i am lucky that i'm always somebody who um i don't really agree with sitting around and bemoaning change In any way, no matter what the change is, you've just got to keep that optimistic frame of mind and look for the opportunities. But this is the first time that I've ever had that challenged, you know, because I'm always like ultra optimistic. But I have had times, you know, obviously recently where it's been like, oh, my God, is this ever going to change? You know, the history of the world is full of change. Maybe we get the era pre-COVID back. Maybe we don't. But we've just got to... um do the best with the cards that were dealt. Um, So that's what I'll be focusing on. And I love my career. I've worked so hard on it. And if it really becomes difficult with this album being released, I'll be so bitterly disappointed because this recent one, I do think is the best album I've ever done. And I think it is ready to have more success than ever, than I've ever had by orders of magnitude. So that'll be just like a cruel irony if it's hindered too much but if that's the case that's the case you know there's nothing much you can do about it so you know you just got to stay positive
0: breakout was chosen by ash as some of his best work thank you for joining us on this episode and if you haven't yet subscribe or leave a review on apple Podcasts. also a special thanks to julia hill at mushroom for helping us organize this episode between the melbourne lockdowns and with ash up in byron bay finally shout into the noise ash's new album is out in january 2022 the first single i want you to know is out now